You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject that I've got coming up for you, the artist that I've got prepared for your listening pleasure, it's Chris Hoskin, and he's from a Western Australian-based outfit called Jack Runaway. They've got a brand new EP out. It's out right now. It's called Drinking Alone, and I've got to tell you, it's one of my EPs of the year, one of my releases of the year, I should say. I really want to thank Chris for uh, sharing his opinions and thoughts on so many worthy subject matters through the conversation, it must be said. So here he is, Chris Hoskin from the Western Australian Outfit, Jack Runaway. Hey, Chris, Andy McKay-Smith calling. How are you going? Yeah, mate. How you doing? Sorry about that again. <laughs> no, don't worry. No worries whatsoever. What's What's been happening? It sounded like an important meeting. Uh, it was just, um, just some, I'm going through some legal crap with my employer. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, so I had to sort of go in for a meeting, sort of citizenship, but it was, I just, I just completely forgot about everything else. Like, it was like, just ultra that's important. important that I just, yeah. Yeah, so I was in there doing that, so that's pretty fun. I bet, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Well, look, I hope it doesn't put you off your music because you've got an extraordinary, uh, I suppose the EP, Drinking Alone, mate, that's what it is. I mean, all these cuts Yeah, man. <laughs> drinking Alone, <laughs> it sounds like you've got a lot in your plate, but, I mean, uh, yeah. legal issues with your employer aside, mate, how have things been going for you since this EP's been released? Yeah, good, man. We've just been focusing on sort of, um, like, the new the new stuff and, like, enjoying, enjoying the release. Um, we had a pretty good gig uh, for the release, which was awesome. Um, the venue was packed out and it was all a good vibe and that was that was great. The support acts were awesome and yeah, we just um, got a few more gigs in the pipeline coming up and got band rehearsal tomorrow night actually. So sweet, yeah. Well, look, I really enjoy the EP. I've got to tell you, in particular, the cut DNAs or DNAs, however you pronounce it. Yeah, I've, I had that one <laughs> yeah. a long time before because Lee sent it through to me. But look, I think ultimately your music could be uh, described as sounding as such. It's it's a, a killer mix of laid back but upbeat at the same time same time. Almost fifties sounding music. But you do have some intensity courtesy of um the way in which your choruses come on. So there's a bit of like a bit of testosterone there. I like that about things because the fifties stuff it gives uh, a, like it lends itself to a lot of melody, but at the same time when your choruses kick in, you can sing along to them and you can also raise a bit of a fist. And you've got a killer hard rock edge, I must say. You know, the drums and oh, percussion dude, man. sound, man, is, is just awesome. The way you've managed to get that sound on the EP. Um, you know, Never Know, it's another great song. It's got a great Kings of Leon vibe. And uh, Ready to Know You is probably the song that probably has the biggest quasi-50s vibe going on. And I think if uh, ever Tim Rogers from UMI is looking for a writing partner, I know who he should call. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, after I've said all of that, mate, what are you? What are your thoughts on the album and do you, or the EP? Sorry, and do you agree with my comments? Oh well, I've never heard it compared to 1950s. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that I listened to much from the 1950s. So I'm curious to know as to what you're specifically referencing. But I, I take it as a huge compliment. I'm a bit of a bit of a retro man. Like I grew up listening to Elvis Presley and and uh, and the. And that sort of stuff, I mean, I, I think that's where my strong sense of melody comes from and, like, you know, simplistic sort of sounds that you can wrap your head around and, and it's very familiar but, um, you know, very organic at the same time and, 
and and the testosterone I think is is just where I'm at right now in life. You know, I'm on the I'm on the edge of thirty, and um, mm. I'm I'm going through some hard shit. Like I'm I'm taking on a uh, I'm taking on a, a an employer through a legal battle, and I'm I'm dealing with a lot of mental health issues myself and stuff. And this is just where I sort of put everything out on the table, and like my music and my songwriting is kind of my mantra and my meditation and my playground where I'm like well this is this is what I'm dealing with I want to sort of present it in a way that's universally acceptable so that anyone else that may be feeling any sort of trouble or or angst or anger or sadness can can relate to it but um it's very very personal stuff that I'm talking about but I tried to make it open to interpretation like and that's kind of what music is for me. That's sort of what it's always been for me. Um, Kings of Leon is a definitely a huge, huge, um, you know, influence to me, especially their, like the aha, shake, heartbreak stuff, the mm-hmm. early stuff of theirs before they turn more commercial. Um, and, yeah, the drums, like the, the grooves and the drums, like Chris Savvy, my, my best mate since I was like 13 years old, man, we went to high school in Victoria and we both ended up in Perth together. So we just... Mm-hmm. We can we can communicate musically without actually saying anything. Like I sort of just I just lay out, lay some down, start singing, and he starts he starts doing his own thing. I mean, a lot of the time, what he starts playing is completely different to what I interpret, like you know would think to play, but it, but we make it work. Okay, now look, this is the obvious question because you've mentioned it a couple of times. But what can you share us about the legal battle? Because I understand it's front and center right about now. But can you share anything about it so that the listener can gain some insight? into some of your experiences to date? Yeah, man. Well, I, I've, I've been working in the tree industry for 10 years. Like, that's kind of my bread and butter to fuel my music projects. Um, I'm, a, I'm a tree surgeon by trade, an arborist, okay, or a tree gotcha. lopper, as yeah. some people like to talk. Um, I was involved in, a, in an electrical incident next to a power line a little while back. Mm. Um, my, my employer um, decided to cover it up, um, even though I needed medical attention because I nearly died. Um, this caused me a lot of um, stress, anxiety, and trauma. Um, down the track, a lot. Uh, I ended up becoming quite a senior role in the in the occupation. I was the supervisor there, and I looked after a lot of other workers. And a lot of other fellas had the same thing. Um, there was other members at work at my workplace that were getting literally electrocuted, and then being told to cover it up. Um, by our managers. Um, I confronted my managers. HR was present and they they sort of turned their back on me and sort of tried to push me out of the company. So I ended up having to sort of suit up and get a lawyer. That's that's where I'm at, man. And it's, it's shit. Like, mm. you know, I've dedicated my, my whole 20s, my, like the last decade of my life, to a job that I thought was going to be my career. And now I'm kind of like, fuck. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. that's so uh, Obviously, I've, that's I've no been, good, but... Nah, man, I've been without income since February this year, so six months without without a cent to my name, man. I've just been struggling and busking, and the gigs have been keeping me alive, and music's literally been my only only vice, man. It's the only thing helping me out right now. So you've got a good IR lawyer, I take it? You've got someone who really understands the industry? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're all ha- it's all happening, but it's just a long, long, yeah. undulated process. Like, Mate, I don't know, you know, I hope... I hope this doesn't sound too insensitive, but I think from a lot of adversity, some great music can become. So, man, I, I really look forward to the sort of music you release over the next 10 years. 
you know, I mean, yeah. if this is any indication <laughs> of where you're headed to, because, you know, I, I to your point earlier, man, I, I mean, I, outside of just listening to 50s music, I don't understand the technical construct of what makes 50s music 50s music, but I definitely hear it, man, and, and I thought it was a real... There was bands... I don't know whether you listen to much heavy metal, but there was a band called Scatterbrain about 35 years ago or so. And I was probably I've heard the name. Yeah. They did a song called Don't Call Me Dude, and in between the choruses on that, which, of course, had the Don't Call Me Dude thing going all the way through it, it was almost like a, a 50s-style lament through it. And I thought, man, people need to do more of this, and nobody has. And yeah. Tim Rogers has done a little bit of it, but he hasn't taken it as far as as far as I think he can. But then I hear yeah, it in your but... music. I hear it in your music, man. And it's something that I think people can relate to because we all grew up watching shows like movies like uh, um, Back to the Future. You know, of course, that has a strong yeah. 50s element to it. and So it's very yeah. nostalgic for everybody is what I'm saying. Like, we all relate yeah. to it. Um, you know, our parents and grand... My, you know, I'm old enough to have my parents growing up through that era. But probably for yourself, it's your grandparents. You know, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think combining that... that that cathartic, combining the um, the need for a cathartic output that you have from what's going on in your personal life with this very obvious bent for writing great music and because you are a great songsmith at the end of the day, man. Man, I reckon you're going to write some killer cuts over the next 10 years just to just to tie up the point. Yeah, man. Well, I, I think it's less of a choice and more of an obligation as far as I'm concerned because it's like I do I do appreciate that I can put songs together and and it's on, it's honestly it's where I go to sort of put everything out, man. If I feel like if I bottle it up for too long, it's you know it's, it's as as the Buddhists say, you know, like acknowledge the thought and without judgment release it. And that's kind of what I try and do with the songs. Like mm. otherwise, they just stick with me forever. Yeah, I just wish those Buddhists had grown up in the West with us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is the I mean, no judgment here from me, man. But I, I I'm one of my good mates is Hare Krishna. I've been blessed as a Hare Krishna. I'm Catholic, yep. but I still take well, on a lot of these beliefs, and you know, so I understand it, man. But, man, they come from very when I say simple societies compared to ours, simple societies, yeah. simplistic societies. Oh, I, I, it's beautiful. It's it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and and I just wish that, like, this is why I like the uh, the Krishna side of things because um, uh, Prabhu, I think his name Prabhusar, he had to go to the US and had to basically deal with poverty to begin with before he could spread his message and he didn't lose faith through that process and yeah and, and i think like that's that's why i quite quite like that that message through the krishna spirit because it is something that's born like the message doesn't come from the west but it was born from experience in a western society in new york yeah yeah so i understand that it acknowledges all of the bullshit and hardship that we have to deal with here because from the outside looking in we've got it made but there's all these psychological pressures like what you're talking about you've been put under from what you tell me man you've been told to lie and you've been told to ignore what actually happened to you and that's bullshit pretty much yeah this is a part of your your life's journey and Almost losing your life is hardly something to just sort of gloss over. Yeah, man. Well, getting receiving electric shock with twenty two thousand volts is never fun. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I wouldn't know what it feels like, man. But I can almost uh, just from 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 what I understand, having that much voltage through you, man, is uh, you uh, you probably did you probably went into a state of shock afterwards. I take it, did you? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little while down the track now, man, and I still I still shake, shudder at the thought, man. Like there's people dying. Um, from the same injuries that I that I incurred, and, and, it, and it, 
freaks me out, man. I'm just like, that could have been me, you know what I mean? Mm. And that, that is post-traumatic stress disorder. So. Absolutely, it is, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. All right, well, look, um, this EP, I love EPs, I've got to tell you, because yeah. they give listeners with less of an attention span than I do an opportunity to focus on an artist's body of work within five or six songs. Was that important to you, or did you really want to make an album? Look, I, when I first stepped into the studio last year, so it was over 12 months ago now we first started, I, I had a bit more money to chuck around, and we, we had started like sort of recording a lot. Like There's a lot of bones and sort of skeletons of other songs in there that were sort of making it to be like a bigger project than what it ended up being. Uh, financial reasons, it sort of ended up being an EP instead of an LP. But but I I think it's sort of good. It's it definitely, for, for more reasons than one, it's a big reflection of where I'm at right now in life, you know what mm. I mean? Um, yeah. And I think, I think the songs definitely tie in together unintentionally. But I have this weird thing where I sort of just go into my subconscious and I... And, Often I'll, I'll just sort of conscious stream of thoughts, just write lyrics out to sounds that pop up in my head and melodies and, and sing them along without necessarily knowing what they mean. And then, and then two weeks or a month down the track, something will happen and I'll be like, this is exactly what I was singing about. Like, this is exactly what I was writing about earlier, in, earlier on. So it's, um, I, think, I think an EP is set a body of work that makes it easier for people with short attention spans to grab onto. And that's, that's the day and age we live in, man. We live in the age yeah. of Spotify. I mean, like, so I think I think albums these days are more of a it's 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 an egotistical thing for me anyway. I just wanted to put an album out, but I I'm happy that we ended up doing an EP. I think it's a really smart move in 2019 for a number of reasons, yeah. and the most obvious reason is the streaming platforms don't lend themselves to albums. Okay, and I've yeah. talked a lot about this in the podcast series, and I'm an album man myself, but I can appreciate that EPs are more effective. And unless you're an established band, I've got to say, man, uh, for the most part, I don't really see a lot of point in albums. I think you've got to be established before yeah. you've got a fan base that's going to spend that kind of time with you. And that's what I really appreciate about a lot of the Firestarter artists that I interview is that they are EPs, or sometimes they're even singles, man, one or two singles. And I really yeah, yeah. find that I can focus on the nuances of an artist's music because an album, hard rock and heavy metal tends to lend itself to albums, but everything else yeah. tends to lend itself. Urban, pop, roots, acoustic, everything else except for hard rock and heavy metal tends to lend itself specifically to EP. So I'm really glad you've taken that step. And the thing is, it'll give you an opportunity to build your audience and, and get through what you're experiencing right now. And these songs can kind of marinate for a period of time. Yeah, that's it. I'm enjoying the marination process. Like they've been sitting there, um, you know, stewing around, and I've, I've gone back to listen to them, and I've, I know a lot of my friends are enjoying them. So that's, yeah. that's good to know. Have you had an opportunity to, to perform a lot? Yeah, we've been we've played a lot this year and a lot last year. We haven't played since the single launch, uh, the EP launch at the start of August. Um, so that's not really, we haven't played. It's not too far away, yeah. I don't even know where we are anymore. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've done the EP launch at the start of August, and then we've got a, we've got two gigs coming up in uh, next week, so that's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, we gigging, like performing for me, 
not so much now, but when I sort of first ventured into music, performing was, was the main thing for me. Like, I, I was never really a recording artist. Like, I love being on stage and, and sort of just putting it all out there and putting 100% of myself into performing. Like, that's that's me. That's what I always loved in it. But um, I've, I've, as I've sort of matured in, in, in my songwriting, I've started to really, really appreciate the, the creative process a lot more and putting songs together and they're finding their meaning to myself and, and that sort of thing. Like, So... Yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoy the relationship I have with music because it's, it's evolved a lot over time. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, look, I, I can... It's There's a maturity to your the construction of your songs that belies your experience, if you don't mind me saying. Okay, and what I mean by that is that if you're in your late 20s, almost in your 30s, how long have you been making music? It's about 15 years or so. Fair enough. That's yeah, long correct. enough to be able to craft music, great music like you have. But I'm hearing stuff that has a bit of an echo, and bear with me here whilst I make the point, to the great Roy Orbison. And I guess, oh, yeah. You know what I'm coming from with it all? And I mean, oh, I, I, he's, a, he's a hero of mine, so... There you go, you know. And I love Roy Orbison. I can't understand how people yeah. can't get into him these days. It's... um. I've had a few conversations online with people who've said they don't rate the big O, and I don't know how you can not. You know, he's a no, he's great. Artist. Yeah, I mean, he's, the love, the thing that I love about his music that you do really well is that there's enough space in the music for you to enjoy it. It's not all coming at you really quickly. In other words, you don't yeah. condense your ideas, you don't compress your ideas. Yeah, I mean that's that's something I'm pretty conscious of. I mean, I feel like a lot of the time unless there's like noise coming out of my mouth, I, I, there's, I'm not um, making a big enough impact. But then it's after I listen back to them, I'm like, and listen to other people's music too. I'm like, you need to give space for ideas to sort of breathe. Like you can't just introduce a, a concept to someone in a sentence and then accept, expect them to grasp it and run with it with you through the journey of the song. And you need to do it in stages, like start a story, introduce the topic, and then and let everyone wrap their head around it before you start taking them on a journey after the after the topic started. And that's exactly that's what I try and do. Like that's awesome, man. No, that's really cool because that's what I'm hearing. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's what I'm hearing. And and too often I'm like, do I listen to new music where all of these great ideas come at you very quickly, but then there's a lot of mediocre ideas at the same time. And it's like you've just got to slow down a little bit, take a deep breath, maybe have a beer or smoke something, whatever you yeah, do, and just, it, yeah. just let it marinate. Exactly what we said before, let it base for a bit. That's a good word. Let it base for a bit. And maybe maybe some different ideas will come out of it. Maybe there's two great songs in, in this one rather than just the one. You know, and, well, that's and, it, man. Yeah, you continue, mate, yeah. Oh, no, that, that's like, I've, I've actually recently just started listening to, uh, to podcasts. Like, I've, I've never really taken the time to listen to them, but I listen to them all the time now, um, especially like the Joe Rogan podcast and then all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, one thing that they always say is, like, this is the mission of the podcast. Like, the, the mission of this podcast is to get this point across. And I really, really appreciate that because I think – my old music, I mean, I've got an EP that was released five years ago before this one, and there's a lot of ideas in that EP too, but sometimes there's more than one idea in a song and it can get quite convoluted. And I feel like when I write a song these days, it's with a mission. So I set out to tell a story, and if my mind and lyrics start going somewhere else, I sort of, I sort of try to stop it 
and be like, well, does this assist the story? Come back to, to the to the point because you want to you want to get that concise point across. And as Elvis and as Roy Orbison always did, but like, all their songs make sense and that makes them more relatable. Yeah, mate, you you made a couple of really good points in there, and one of which I'll say is that Joe Rogan's the reason I've got a podcast. From the perspective <laughs> that I, five years ago, four or five years ago, I was working for Telstra and I was travelling up oh, and yeah. down uh, the coast of Queensland between Sun, Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, and Cairns, and between him and Jamie Jaster from Hatebreed, that's all I was. That's and and Chris Jericho, I might add as well, a few others. Yeah, but, Chris you know, Jericho. Yeah, they're the main two, but Chris Jericho sort of added for Spice. Um, but Joe Rogan, man, he's just the master. I mean, who, uh, he's a brilliant man. Who better to emulate than the great man himself? I mean, from the perspective that he can have a conversation and remove himself from having an opinion, but still ask questions. Holy shit, yeah. man! He's the master at that. You know, you never. The thing about his podcast series is that you never get the sense that whilst he's set central to it, you never get the sense that he's imposing himself on it. You know, that's it. He, he he lacks the judgment, eh? Like he just he lets the judgment go. Yo, he's curious. That's that's a really good point. He's curious, yeah. and he's he's constantly he's removed the judgment and he's replaced it with curiosity. So if someone says something that he disagrees with, he says something very ordinary, like "How so?" or "Why is that?" But then he's thinking about what his what why he disagrees with it, and he's quite prepared to change his position mid conversation. And I think we all do that because he said it many times. We're all rooted in having an opinion that seems to be nailed to the ground. Why, That's the, it. why is that? Why is that? We, it's, we shouldn't be it's, like that. it's just, it's society, man. Like society's just turned into this black and white. That's it. There's no gray. Everyone has to be perfect and everyone has to be this cookie cutter figure. And if you're not, you're in the gray and that gray doesn't get praise. That gray doesn't get likes. That gray doesn't get comments, nothing like that. It's, it's either black or white. It's either beautiful and positive or it's either disgustingly horrible and there's nothing in the middle. Mm. Yeah, I look, the way politics has gone these days, it's so toxic, isn't it? I mean, I, uh, you know, it's, I just look at the way people attack each other online and I've got to say they're more often than not from the left onto the right. Yeah, um, man. It's just horrible to what I see people doing to other people and with a mission of deplatforming and getting them, getting people with an opinion they don't agree with, having their, like losing their jobs. Um, I saw Andy Yo. I mean, we're in a ridiculous position in 2019 where I just want to be clear about this a gay immigrant. So if you're talking about the left's identity politics right up there, a gay immigrant, an Asian immigrant, or maybe he was the children of immigrants, got beaten yeah. senseless, got, got a brain. Uh, uh, I think it was a brain hemorrhage. I think I might be right in yeah. saying from a, from an Antifa. Um, okay, going there as a journalist to cover an Antifa. What do you call it? Protest? I suppose you'd call it that. It's really a. I think you'd more to call it, you know, a nuisance, a disruption. But he yeah. got he got beaten senseless, and then was told by the police to walk back into the fray. I think I'm right in saying that. I hope I am anyway. Um, but the point is, is he went on Joe's podcast afterwards and talked about yeah. how he had uh, bleeding on the brain or something. And I'm thinking, how on earth have we got to this fucking point where we want to beat the living oh, daylights out of people for having a different opinion to us? In yeah, the West. I, don't, I, don't under, I don't understand. It's like, you know, as you said before, like, we live, like everyone, we, you look at us from the outside and we got it fucking made, you know what I mean? Like society is now the amount of information and technology that we have access to and still we have this, this basic incarnate like 
like medieval violence still existing in our world. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like it's crazy, man. I think that that's just it's human nature at a base level, and and, and these people that still act like this just aren't willing and ready to evolve. And it's gonna it's happening. So, but you know what I think, mate. You know what I think, Chris is the real issue here: mental illness. I think that's the uh, real yeah. issue, and and I think mental mental illness manifests as this like this protest advocacy, you know, this so-called, um, oh, what would you, that's what it is, protest advocacy, but it's really mental illness. And they latch on to these themes and these ideas, but it's not really about that. Like we had these idiots over here um, on William Jolly Bridge in Brisbane protesting, of course, they're, they're, they're protesting against the Adani mine. You know, I yeah. understand anybody's right to protest. We live in a democracy and you can do that, but... Think you dickheads, okay? They held up an ambulance. Who knows yeah, who was right in that on. ambulance that needed help? Okay, they're traveling to the most. Uh, I can't remember the name. I'm from the Gold Coast, so I can't remember the name of the uh, the hospital that's nearby there. God, God knows I've been to it a few times myself, but I can't remember it now for the sake of the conversation. But it's in Milton yeah. there, so it's just across the bloody road from the bridge there, and they're stopping it. Like, pick your bloody targets, you idiots. Okay, there are people that need assistance. And they aren't people that are trying to get to work. These are people that need hospitals, maybe police assistance, this sort of thing. And you're stopping them from getting that. Okay, so yeah, whilst you to, might to have... to prove a point that's quite convoluted. Oh, of course it is. They don't know all the facts. Plus, my suspicion, more than that, my, uh, my own opinion, I must say, is that they just want to see themselves on TV. These idiots. You know, these abseiling... Well, potentially. I mean, but, but realistically, there are avenues that you can protest... You, you can make your point through protest and you can be very effective without doing that, okay? You don't of need course, to do that yeah. to hold up regular people. And that's my point about wanting just to, to appear on TV and be in the public eye because what better way to do it than to hold up people who, who are trying to get across the only means to cross a river than to hold up a bridge? And it's not just that. They've done it, they've done it a few times in Brisbane now. And I just think, you know, um, I know somebody who knows one of the guys and... He's told me straight up, very strange character. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, that, that, that glued himself to a, um, a zebra crossing in uh, in Brisbane City, you know, so as the cars couldn't get past and held up all of the cars. And I, I, my point is, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm only saying what my opinion is. I think a lot of it is rooted in mental illness. Um, they're yeah, not I going. Think, I think you're probably correct, man. Man, they're not going through your, what you're going through. What you're going through is very real, very personal, and very pertinent. What they're going through is something that they're projecting onto society and they're trying to uh, manipulate for their own personal means, as I say, which ultimately is about getting attention. Um, I'm sorry, yeah. but that's the way I feel about it. No, I, man, I understand. I understand. I don't, I don't know these people. And I don't know what they're personally going through. I understand that sometimes the way people try and protest is pretty ludicrous and it's, quite, it's more damaged than it, than, than it is, you know, productive. Um, but but as I was saying earlier, like it's 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 what we live in now. We live in we live in the lud like ludicrous. You know what I mean? As I said, like with all the social media and and TV coverage, you're like everyone wants to be doing big and big things. You know, like nothing nothing small amounts to anything anymore. It's, we live yeah. in the age of like of pop stars and superstars, and everyone is a pop star and a superstar now. So. 
Mate, let's bring it back to the music, the more positive thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because I do think, uh, look, all of these things are important points to talk about. There's no two ways about it. I think they're necessary points to talk about for everyday, ordinary Australians like we obviously are. But, I mean, the thing is, is that you're a bit extraordinary from the perspective that you have this wonderful EP, Drinking Alone. And, And my feelings on it are that a lot of people need to hear this. So the two yeah, well, emotional I, side I, of it, things. I've, yeah. I've uh, we're talking about mental health, man. I mean, that's what the whole EP is about for me. Like that's it's it's been the struggles of my mental health um, in the last twelve months, all in five tracks. You know what I mean? And I, mm. I I I I say that on stage. Like I always drinking alone to me is kind of a shout out to men's mental health, like not to be sexist, but a lot of there's there's still those big stigmas about men and not talking about their issues. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the EP launch, we had about a hundred um, men from the Navy in the, in the bar there, like all in front of me. And when I was on stage and I said, look guys, I know you guys are on the forces and that um, this song's called drinking alone. And, and it's about, it's about being alone and being in a pretty shit spot and being in a predicament that you feel trapped in and, and, and drinking alone. And I just want to say that like, everyone should raise their glasses. And if there's anyone here that is drinking alone, like, Turn to your left and make a friend. Like no one should be drinking alone. So that's kind of that's kind of my my mission in this EP is to to raise awareness for, for mental health. That's awesome, brother. Because something that's crossed over uh, or glossed over a lot. I'm the father of two daughters, right? So I'm acutely aware of all of the work there is out there, or the options that there are for women out there these days. Very few for men. Yeah. And very few for straight hetero men, if you know what I'm saying. Like just yeah, regular yeah. blokes. You know what I mean? Like you and yeah. I from the sounds of things. Like yeah. very few options for us to be frank, mate, outside of drinking alone. I love this EP title now that you're given that context because God knows I've done it enough. Drinking alone. Yeah, man. I think a lot of I've people have been. I've man. done it a lot. I've spent a lot of nights this these last twelve months drinking alone, man, just sitting there looking at a bottle, looking at a, a glass thinking or a can or a bottle, just thinking what the fuck, how have I ended up here? Like, what's going on? Like, why am I here? Hmm. What, what can I do about it? And it's all these thoughts that sort of manifest into these songs for me. And, 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 and that's my mission. Like, that's, that's why I write them for myself initially. But then when I see people enjoying them and connecting to the music, I just want to make it quite clear that this is what I'm singing about. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking hide the fact. It's straight up. I, like, I've got anxiety and depression. I've had it all my life. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone else is struggling with shit, like, come and chat to me. Like, I'm singing it to you right now. I'm literally, literally giving you a counselling session. Have you had anybody come up to you afterwards and talk to you about things? Yeah, well, we just got booked for, uh, for someone else's single launch, and it was this local chick uh, in a band called Sergeant Holker. And she, um, she's just like, I've, I've been listening to this EP um, and now just after you announced it about men's mental health and like drinking alone and that, she's like, it all makes sense to me now. She's like, I understand completely what you're talking about and it's, it's really beautiful. She's like my, you know, the guys in my band um, relate to everything that you've just said and we, we really would like you to come play for us. So, like, she booked us on, on the sole basis that she completely related to the message I was trying to sort of get across. Mate, that's awesome. And it's awesome coming from a woman that you've got that from the perspective that, yeah, you know, I've spoken to, yeah, look, I've spoken to a lot of people, believe me. Not every interview goes to air, let me tell you. 
And yeah. sometimes I think that there's just this, this identity political thing where it's like if you're a man, you've got it made, you've got every advantage that society can throw to you, and if you can't handle it, you're a weak prick. And I'm not saying yeah. that's what they've said. I'm not saying that's what anybody said. I'm saying that's the impression that I've formed. Okay, and I'm allowed my opinion. So, yeah, and, I, and I've heard that. So it's so cool that a woman has reached out to you and thought, you know what, let's do this. You know, and it, it's and it obviously speaks volumes about her attitude. Yeah, hundred percent. And in in that moment, I really appreciated her saying what she was saying, and and that it was good that she that she understood what I was trying to get across. I mean, it it is. It can be quite hidden and subtle in the in the context of a song, just as a song. But when, but when the songwriter directly is saying to you, "Look, this is this is my personal experiences, and and I understand that it's a worldwide thing, and it's it's an epidemic, man. Like this is something we should be talking about." Oh, I think men's mental health, mate, has just been glossed over. Absolutely, it's just been yeah. You've been told that you're a cis white male or what have you, what whatever, and. Well, that's exactly the point, though. You can be anything, but you're told that you're a cis white male and just shut up and deal with it because you've already got all of society's advantages. But holy shit, mate. I mean, I've I've worked myself so hard on the job previous to what I'm doing right now. I'm at uni these days, but when I was at Telstra, I worked so hard, I worked myself into a hospital bed. You know, yeah, there's, man. There's, there's no, happens there's no the support time. networks, and that was because I've got a condition called ulcerative colitis, which is very similar to Crohn's disease. And I wasn't taking oh, my meds because I was traveling so much with it. I was forgetting to take my, my medication with me. And, man, I was I was stressed to the max, but I wasn't miserable. I loved my job, but I reached a point where I realized I couldn't do it anymore. Money was yeah, great. Man. No, Everything was there. But I just realized I couldn't do it anymore because I used to say I want to be tackled by my kids. But these days I say I want to be tackled by my grandkids. You know what I mean when I say that? <laughs> yeah. You, you want to be around, man. You want to stick around. Yeah, but I want to have quality of life too. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. And I want to have quality of life. And if I don't have quality of life, I don't see the bloody point. You know, I've, I've got, I, I know enough people that, um, you know, I've got debilitating illnesses that have told me what yeah. they wish they had. And I can no, see. No, man, I understand that. They're not wishing they won the lottery, mate. They just wish that they had their full facilities back. Yeah, man. I've I've got a lot of friends that are, you know, very successful financially in in, in this world, and, and I I fuck good good on them, man. Like good on them, but that that's not my main priority anymore, man. Like I see a lot of people just living for excess, like working, 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 buy a house, working, 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 buy another house, working, 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 buy a third house. Like why the fuck do you need so many houses? Like you don't need all this shit. And at the at the end of the day, like. What's how's your mental health? Like, how's your brain going? Because it's working in overtime. Like, give it give it some time. Like, mm. and that's kind of that's kind of my priority right now. Just sort of sort of getting back to as we mentioned earlier, the Buddhist philosophies, man. Like, I really, really, really see eye to eye with a lot of the stuff that they came up with like thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I I, I get you, mate. It's yeah, and and look, the, the thing that. You know, no matter how bad things can can potentially get, okay, for you, always console yourself, mate. You're a wonderful songwriter. You've got a wonderful ability to compile your emotions and your thoughts into song. And that's always meaningful because throughout history, no matter how the song is sound, mate, we've all, all human beings, right back to back when we were hunter-gatherers, we've always related to song. 
So it's a tremendous skill that you've been blessed with, a tremendous talent that you've been blessed with. And I think my own take on things, mate, is that regardless of, you know, whatever um, pitfalls you may face and whatever difficulties you may have to overcome in life, as long as you can see the, the, cla- the, 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 the silver lining and the cloud of your negative experiences that you've got this wonderful talent that you've been blessed with, mate, just keep on creating music because it's going to mean a lot to people. You probably don't even realize that, mate, but people will listen to your music and they don't know anything about you. They don't know anything about your background. They're probably in Iceland or Denmark or God knows where, but they listen to your music and you've made their day better because you're a songwriter. No, man, I appreciate that a lot. I, like, I, yeah, I, as I said, like it's entirely, it's entirely just my meditation for myself. Like, I, but I, I just hope that it that it, it it affects people the way a lot of songs that I've heard in my lifetime, and I've been feeling pretty crap about things, have affected me. Like, they've always helped me. Music mm. is music is really good that way. Mate, you've got it in you. There's no doubt. You know, as Wayne Bennett said, I know you probably don't know who that is from Perth, but you know, <laughs> Wayne Bennett, the old Brisbane Broncos coach, now South Sydney coach, he always said, never, don't die with the music in you. You know, and I think he borrowed yeah, right, that. Yeah. That's with the title of his first book. And, uh, mate, you're not. <laughs> not that I want you to die anytime <laughs> soon. Of course I don't. But the point is, is that you've got this wonderful EP under your belt already. I have a feeling, mate, that you're a career songwriter, mate. You'll be doing this until you're Leonard Cohen's age. Yeah, potentially. I hope so. It's, it's, it's getting harder and harder to make a living off it, but I don't, um, I just do it for self-fulfillment, man. And I just hope that one day, like the, the story's there, you know, in the music. Mm. All right, mate. Well, uh, before I let you go, tell the listener, where can they get a hold of your music? How can they get in touch with you? So they can stream it anywhere, like it's on Spotify and iTunes and Apple Play and all that. Um, you can come to any of our gigs and get physical copies of the stuff. We are playing next at, where are we playing? On the 31st of August. Yep, 31st of August That's at Clancy's in Fremantle. And then we're playing again on the 5th of September at the solar room in Fremantle as well. Um, and you can just like, if you, if anyone wants to chat to me about any of the things that we discussed on either podcast, like feel free to like just hit, hit up Instagram or the Facebook page or <clears throat> there's an email there as well. Good on you, Chris. All right. Look, what I'll do from here is mate, I'm comfortable with everything we've spoken about. If you are, so I'm just going to release it as it is. Um, yeah, I think people need to hear this, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of really important points we've spoken about outside of the music, and it's really important to hear a musician talk about these things. So I want to thank you very much for your candor and frankness through the conversation. But, mate, I'll just link you in. Do you want me to send it to you on text, like the, the link for the podcast episode on text? When I, I'll probably do it tomorrow. It's 10, a bit after uh, almost 11 o'clock here, mate, so I might do it tomorrow morning or thereabouts. Yeah, sweet, man. I'll send it Sounds to you good. via text, mate. That's probably the easiest way to do it. No, I appreciate it, man. You're, you're a really good host, eh? You very, very emotively activate conversations. It's good. Thank you, mate. Well, you've got a great EP here. I know you're an excellent musician. Just keep on. I get you going through some shit right now, but please never give up on the music because people need to hear what you're doing. No, nah, man, I, as I said, it's, it's not a choice. If I gave up on it, I'd just uh, sort of stop breathing a little bit, I think. <laughs> I get it. Believe me, I'm a muso myself, so I understand. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, good luck to you, mate. And if ever you want to chat again, just reach out. Yeah, man, cheers. I appreciate it. I will do. 
No worries, mate. Good luck with it all. See you, mate. Thanks a lot. Catch ya. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Chris Hoskin from the Western Australian-based outfit Jack Runaway. Thanks so much for listening.